guilt and even the thought of having help sometimes you don't want to burden other people maybe mm-hmm. or feel like you're burdening anyone but you would not believe how many people will show up to support right. you they they just may not know how so it's really it's good for you to get in the best practice of learning how to ask for help Welcome to Aging in Style, the podcast dedicated to celebrating aging and what it takes to do it well. I'm Lori Williams. I'm a certified senior advisor and senior housing expert. In each episode, you'll learn stories of older adults who are thriving in their 70s, 80s, 90s, and in some cases in their hundreds. Whether you're an older adult or the child of an older adult, this podcast is filled with insightful resources, organizations that are doing incredible work, and stories that will inspire you to volunteer, learn, and who knows, maybe even skydive in your golden years. Hi, welcome to another episode of Aging in Style. Today we have Megan Roback, and if you listen to the podcast, then you have met Megan before. She is the senior program manager with the Alzheimer's Association for the Dallas and Northeast Texas chapters. And she is an amazing resource for us. So this month or for this this podcast, this month, March is actually Women's History Month. And so we are going to talk about women and women in Alzheimer's because women are actually more likely to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's and more likely to be the caregiver for someone who has Alzheimer's. So the burden really um, is put on the women for the most part. So welcome, Megan, and let's talk about this topic. Thank you so much, Lori, for having me back. It's always a joy to be with you. Um, Yeah, so Alzheimer's, a lot of people think of Alzheimer's, they think of memory loss or maybe older generations. Um, But what really is um, at the face of this disease is women. Women are impacted at a greater rate. And there's actually about 11 million women in America right now, either living with Alzheimer's or caring for someone who has it. Um, So it places a big burden on um, women in our nation. So almost two thirds of that means almost two thirds of all people caring for loved ones with dementia are women. And more than 60% or specifically one third of that two thirds, the 60% are um, daughters. So we're not just talking spousal support. We're talking daughters, sisters, aunts. Um, Women tend to be the primary caregivers for people living with this disease and the cares of, you know, many things actually Mm -hmm. beyond dementia. And um, that's so exactly, do- I mean, you mentioned that is that that's exactly how it played out in my family. My grandmother had dementia and my mom and her sister and towards the end, my cousins as well, all female were the caregivers for her. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. We don't, we may not, not think about that too deeply in our own lives, but if you, you know, kind of reflect on situations in your own family, I'm sure many people can share similar circumstances. Women take on more of those caregiving tasks. Um, typically more so than male counterparts. Um, But also that comes with, you know, cognitive decline and functional decline and behavioral issues. So it can be really stressful. And it really does also impact the career of women. Um, So many times women have to cut back hours at work or, you know, end or retire early to take on the responsibility of primary care. So that can cause, you know, a lot of stressors for women. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we talk a little bit more about that, I'd like to share some information on women at risk. 
So just as a reminder for the listeners that Alzheimer's disease is a fatal disease with no current cure, our, as women, estimated lifetime risk of developing Alzheimer's at age 65 is one in five. One in five women over the age of 65 are likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. That's a real concern. As we see cancer and those kinds of things like breast cancer decrease in impacting women because we have great treatments now and earlier detection and things like that, we just don't have the same kind of cure yet for um, Alzheimer's disease. And there may even be genetic differences between um, male and female chromosome level or genetic level um, to why dementia affects women more. But there's a lot of research going on about that currently. So I think for women right now, it's really important to just understand that we are at greater risk um, of the burden of care, but also having to develop the disease and really need to take into consideration our own health. We are very guilty as women for not taking care of ourselves. That is so true. And I know we have talked on previous podcasts of ways to maybe help to prevent it with eating right, exercising, all those types of things. So we will definitely put that in the in the show notes so that people can go back and listen to that. But you're absolutely right. And as many people who listen to the podcast know that I'm falling into the caregiver role since my husband had a stroke. And I can say it is really hard to think about yourself because you're thinking about your loved one and their care. And it's like I'm forcing myself like, okay, you're due to go to the dentist. Go. I mean, it's it is a hard thing to do. It's interesting to be in this position now. But being the caregiver, we have to keep ourselves healthy and do all of those things, see the doctors and take the time to to take care of ourselves. And if there's anyone out there that's listening that currently feels like it's completely impossible to take care of yourself during caregiving responsibilities, you have to remember, and I think it's a good quote to put somewhere around your house, that you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, a lot of times, the mental and emotional stress can really deteriorate health for people. So when we're talking about taking care of yourself, we're talking about and uh, making sure that you can still thrive through your days as you, your care responsibilities have increased. Not only are you still trying to manage your home or if you have children or activities that you're typically involved with, but now you have this other role that's a 24-7 real job for people. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just really important to find ways that you can nurture yourself through providing care and getting help. Yeah. Getting help is so critical. And I, you know, it's interesting now to see it from the other side, because before I was in this role of caregiver, it seems so simple. Take care of yourself, ask for help, do these things. But mm -hmm. when the shoe's on the other foot, and now as a caregiver, I can tell you from my perspective now, is you almost feel like some guilt about mm -hmm. taking time for yourself. Um, even though like logically, like I know this stuff, I shouldn't be feeling guilty, but you do, you feel some guilt and you feel like everything is about that person, about your loved one and making sure, oh, let me get him to the cardiologist. Let me get him to, the, you know, taking care of all of his needs. But it's something that you really have to stop and think about, put thought into that. Yes, I have to take care of myself. As you said, you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. And I think yeah. those emotions are very real. And I think guilt and even the thought of having help sometimes you don't want to burden other people maybe mm -hmm. or feel like you're burdening anyone. But people, you would not believe how many people will show up to support 
um, you, but they, they just may not know how. So it's really, it, it's good for you to get in the best practice of learning how to ask for help. It um, is. So. And you know, it. I can just, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but just seeing, you know, being on the other side of it, people ask all the time, what can I do? I'm here to help. And I will say that I, I think other people probably feel this way too. Now that I'm on the other side of it, sometimes you're just like, I really don't know how you can help. I don't know because I want to take him to the doctor. Or I want to do this. And it's like, like you're, you're appreciative of it, but sometimes you just don't know how to help. And you know, I appreciate the people who will just call me and say, hey, I cooked dinner and I have food for you and your son. And they just drop the food off. I mean, that that's a huge help. I can tell you that that's that's huge. But it is it's it's hard to express that sometimes, even though, you know, and you're thankful for people wanting to help. It's sometimes kind of hard to say what you need. If that you know, and sense. that could be a whole topic show on its own. And maybe we should explore that in the future. But mm-hmm. um, you're right. Like the ca- a caregiver is probably so overwhelmed with the amount of things that they're thinking about having to manage in their own lives Mm -hmm. that it's hard to stop and think, hey, how can Sally help me when she's asking me? Well, you might not even have time to think about what's going to help the most right now because there's so many things going on. But there are some um, some really great suggestions on how to help other families that the Alzheimer's Association have um, put a list together about that. So Mm -hmm. we could love to explore that with you in the future but mm-hmm. like you just said providing a meal for a family and not having to have a, the family have to run to the grocery store real quick and figure out what they're going to make that mm-hmm. can be a huge stress relief for someone mm-hmm. or you know um if someone needs to help with errands or just coming over for a visit or especially if your loved ones at home you have to get a break a physical break too not just an emotional and mental health break but um, a physical break from someone sometimes. Yeah, um, so that can be really helpful. Um, so thank you for bringing that up because that perspective is really important to realize that we can give advice all day and you know it logically, but when you're in it, it's harder. It's it's a lot yeah. harder. Yeah. But I think you can't pour from an empty cup. The concept of self care, knowing and educating yourself on reducing risk for developing dementia, not just in yourself but in your loved ones too. Because um, ultimately, your loved ones are who you end up taking care of, right? So you really want to make sure that you're having that good cardiovascular health, the you know diabetes management, and knowing your numbers, your blood pressure, making sure you're staying on top of that. All those things are good for brain health too. So those are just some simple suggestions of things you can start with, like parking further away in the parking lot at the grocery <laughs> store, even though everybody wants to park at the front, you know. <laughs> Just simple ways to add in um, more physical activity and healthier um, nutrition is a good start. So with that said, uh, we continue to work with researchers across the country, um, actually across the globe, to find out the genetic differences between women and men when it comes to developing this disease specifically. And we work a lot with different uh, professional women's groups and stuff to help raise awareness because many people just don't know how much this impacts women. Do they so, have any thoughts? Like, I'm just kind of thinking because women are more at risk. Is it a hormonal kind of thing? I'm just trying to think what the differences could be, why women are yeah, more affected. I think hormonal differences are being studied as well. There's also some kind of correlation and, we'll, you know, we could probably get you this specific research article since I don't know it completely, but I know that there's been some research around women that have had children and women who mm-hmm. have not. So women who have carried children and the more that they've carried, there's been some differences between 
of that across a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Is there a higher risk if you've been pregnant or a lower risk? That's just kind of interesting. Yeah. um, So that's something I'm going to have to look into to get more information on for you, but I'd be happy to share the article with you. But I do remember that coming out within the last few years. So I can get you information on that. Um, But right now, there's not a lot out there as far as the research goes, other than showing that we're at higher risk, we're impacted more greatly, we take on more care responsibilities, our mental health is affected more so because of the burden and the stress caused by providing care, um, and it's just a great impact on women. Mm -hmm. So again, getting help, taking care of yourself, and educating the people around you too, I think is so critical and making sure your family, you know, you, you try to stay as healthy as you can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like I said, we'll link back to podcasts that we've done. We've done several about the food that you eat, about knowing your numbers, because there's so many things, you know, that will affect you. I mean, for example, if your blood pressure is high, you're at a higher risk of stroke, which stroke can also lead you to vascular dementia. And there's just so many so many different things that can happen. Yeah. And having dementia doesn't exclude you from having other medical issues too. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine having Alzheimer's impact you as a person, but you also have these other long-term medical issues. It just really complicates care and the ability to take care of yourself. So this is something that we should be paying a lot of attention to. And I'm sure um, awareness about it will continue to rise and I hope that we someday find a cure as we're trying to fund research across the globe. You really would like to find a cure for this disease. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing this with us. And, you know, these are kind of shocking statistics. The one in five after the age of 65 developed yeah. dementia. Yeah, there's actually <laughs> another one and it's comparing to breast cancer. You hear about breast cancer a lot with women, right? Mm-hmm. And you see the pink, you see it on TV, you see all those things. But women in their 60s are more than twice as likely to develop Alzheimer's disease over the rest of their lives as they are to develop breast cancer. So that, that's very wow. staggering because we don't see the same kind of awareness being raised when it comes to women in Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. but you do see um, breast cancer. And thank goodness that the, the awareness is out there for cancer too, because we've been able to find successful treatments and earlier diagnosis and things like that. So mm-hmm. we're hopeful that that's the direction that research is headed for Alzheimer's disease. And hopefully, you know, not too far from now, we'll be able to share more information on that. Absolutely. Because I think the other thing we have to remember is that it's a long term, very expensive, um, you know, the the cost that it, that's involved financially, emotionally, everything on families when a family member is diagnosed with dementia is astronomical. And there's the burden in that as well, the burden of, um, you know, how you take care of someone and the finances to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing this information. And If you need more information, you can always go to the Alzheimer's Association, which is alz.org, right? Yes, good. Please go to my website, which is lauriewilliams-seniorservices.com, where you can see all of our podcasts and all of our interviews with Megan and, you know, see the ones that where we talked about ways to prevent dementia through food, through exercise and all these other things we've talked about. And Megan, as always, thank you for being a guest. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sure. Okay. Well, we will talk to you all next week. And thanks so much for listening. 